Static Rallycast. This is episode 52 from over a week ago. Apologies for the late uh, post on this one, but we welcome back to the show someone who has become a massive inspiration to us all, Dave Wallingford. After a nasty crash and roll almost exactly a year ago, Dave had to relearn how to walk again, let alone drive. He's made a remarkable comeback and will be competing in this week's 100 Acre Wood Rally. Ian and I also discussed a few other bits of rally news, including his experience from the Oz Rally Pro Development Co-Driver Academy and his transition to becoming a professional co-driver. This is Open Paddock at Rallycast. Welcome back, and as I said, we have a special guest with us, Savage Dave Wallingford, who's made a remarkable comeback. Uh, Dave, first of all, just tonight, how you doing, man? Hey, hey guys, good. Um, thanks for having me on. I'm uh, doing good tonight. Um, I'm uh, getting re- getting anxious, getting ready for uh, 100 Acre Wood next week. You mm-hmm. sound amped. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's been... Um, you know, a year since I've competed in a rally car, so I'm, that's it's the longest I've gone without competing since I started rally. So <laughs> I'm ready to ready to get back into it. Well, I guess that's one thing I was going to mention is you know for I mean, most everybody that listens to our show probably knows, but it's almost been exactly a year since you had that horrible accident down in Mexico. Um, I, I guess I'm not sure how many people really know exactly what happened though. I mean, they know you were hurt, but if you don't mind telling us, <laughs> kind of go through it. Sure. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it was um, yeah, actually this Sunday. It'll be uh, exactly one year. Let's see. So, yeah, things were going pretty well in the R5. I had done some testing for Rally Mexico down in Arizona. The roads down there were they were good for uh, a pre-event test for Mexico. But they may not have been the best roads to how to drive an R5 on. So I was mm-hmm. I wasn't as prepared as I was would have liked to have been, but um, I was on my way there. Uh, the rally had been going pretty well. Uh, I've been doing really well on the super specials, um, and, uh, the gravel stages, I was, you know, slowing down a bit, um, for, you know, not only was my first rally in an R5, but my first rally in an all-wheel drive car. Right, right. (laughs) And then, uh, about midday on Saturday, came around this corner, and what I remember, just this, like, really brief, like, a couple of milliseconds of me seeing this washout on the edge of the road right in front of me and going, oh, crap, I cannot tell how deep that is. And for those of you who have not been out on the rally roads in Mexico, they're up in the mountains, and they get uh, all these washouts at the edges of the roads. And, and that's for, uh, like, drainage, right? I mean, they're just, um, well, no, they they kind of, like, eat into the road. Oh, um, I see. They're not really, like, ditches. They're, like, you know, little semicircles where everything's, you know, washed away. So I saw this for just, you know, a couple of milliseconds. And then uh, next thing I knew, we were flipping flipping a couple of times and we landed on the roof. Uh, And pretty much instantly I knew something that was wrong. Um, I didn't know what was wrong, but uh, I could definitely feel that something was, I thought something was broken, but it wasn't my back that hurt at the time. What I really thought was that something had happened to my hips. I thought that, I don't know, my pelvis had shattered or broke both of my femurs or something bad had happened down there. And I, it wasn't until uh, until they actually pulled me out of the car when I started feeling that my back was hurting. Uh, much later on, I found out that it was my it was my L3 that sh- shattered. 
and the nerves that come out of the L3 uh, go straight to the hips. So I didn't know until much later on that that's probably why I had so much pain in my hips mm -hmm. as opposed to my back. So it took them about, I would say, I want to say 20 minutes. I'm not sure where I get that number from, but it's the the number that, I don't know if somebody told me that, or but it took them about 20 minutes from the moment we crashed till, till I got out of the car. And to you, it felt like a they, lifetime, I'm sure. Yeah, oh yeah. And uh, let's see, in that time after we wrecked, you know, I knew something was wrong, so I was going to try to get out of the car, made sure I could open my door because we were on the roof, uh, make sure, you know, I wasn't in a ditch somewhere. Open the door, the door opened fine. And so I took the steering wheel off the column and put my hand down and undid my harness to kind of slowly let my body down. And then as soon as I was down, I realized that I couldn't move at all. At the time, didn't know it wasn't that it was because that I couldn't move my legs. I thought that my legs had been wrapped up in the harness or something. I didn't really know what was going on. I just knew that I couldn't move. And yeah, after about 20 minutes, they had to come and cut the cage, cut a couple pieces out of the cage and get me out of the car and into an ambulance for about 100 meters to take me up the hill to the helicopter, which took me to the hospital. And yeah, that's the, the beginnings of the, my, the past year of my life, I guess. I, I can imagine it must have been pretty scary once you kind of, you know, realized, you know, like, you know, your legs aren't feeling like they used to and... And things like that. I mean, I... yeah. I, I mean, it was um, definitely scary, but I think it's it's more confusion than anything at the time. It wasn't until I don't know days later that you know when I was you know a little more conscious and aware of what was going on that you know the reality of the situation started to settle in. So then, uh, obviously, you had to have a, a couple of surgeries. Uh, I'm guessing uh, some additional hardware added to you, which is not unusual for uh, most uh, people that have been in rally in their lives, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I had my surgery down in Mexico um, the sometime that evening or overnight maybe and uh, had uh, two rods installed and a total of eight screws. So I have some uh, more uh, titanium hardware in me. <laughs> ah, so you're going, to, you're going to be setting off the uh, alarms when you go through the airports in the future. <laughs> Well, that's that's what I was worried about the first time I went when I uh, the first time I traveled to go up to uh, New England for Australia to do recce up there last summer. Um, but uh, I did my research and it didn't didn't set off anything, and I didn't have to take any medical forms or anything. So yeah. I lucked out there, I guess. <laughs> but your recovery, I mean, it's long. It's a slog. You have to work really hard at it. Um, I, I saw, saw that picture that you uh, posted about graduating from your uh, physical therapy stuff. You like literally had to learn to walk again, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Um, let's see. So I spent about four days in the hospital in Mexico and then got a medical flight uh, uh, back home to Columbus for a few days and then ended up at the Ohio State University Western Medical Center where I spent, so I spent two weeks at the Brain Spine Hospital and then got transferred to the Dodd Rehab Hospital for three weeks. When I was at the Brain and Spine Hospital, you know, a physical therapist would come to my room every day and we'd do 30 minutes worth of stuff. Um, I remember the first day, the, the very first thing she had me do was sit up in bed. And that just sounded like absolutely so much pain laying in this bed. There is no way that I can even sit up. And by the end of the session, I did set, sit up. And then she came back and was like, all right, all right we're going to sit up. And that sounded just like the craziest thing in the world to me. There's no way I can do this. But... By the end of the session, that's what I was doing, and just kept going, kind of moving on from there. 
by the time that I moved a little, I was able to walk about 10 feet with a walker with a person in front of me and a person behind me supporting me for about 10 feet. <laughs> wow. But, um, the therapist at Dodd Rehab really whipped me into shape. I did, they, I would wake up at like 7.30 in the morning and I'd go from then until about uh, various rehab sessions, um, occupational therapy, physical therapy, and um, spending a lot of time in this harness that would uh, support me on a treadmill. They also had this device that they would hook up to my legs that would um, shock my muscles and in the right um, order for for me to be able to, my brain and my spinal cord, where to send all those signals for my brain going down to my legs and remind them in what order they all needed to fire. And yeah, literally walking. It's still, I'm still working on it. Um, in fact, uh, I think just maybe about two months ago, I finally figured out how to walk downstairs. It was until that point, I just, it would just baffle me. Like I, I cannot figure out how to walk downstairs effectively. And suddenly I figured out that the way you walk downstairs is kind of opposite the way you usually walk. They've been, you know, mm-hmm. drilling the heel first, off of the toe. And when you're walking downstairs, it's kind of the opposite. You're it's kind of landing first. on your toes. And, right. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, you know, things like that that have, you know, taken for granted since I was like yeah. a year old. You know? <laughs> yeah. When, you, when you're a baby, you, you know, you, you just, and growing, you just naturally learn these things at that slow, steady pace. Right. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. all of a sudden, you have to now consciously think about that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, obviously going through all that process, having to learn, you know, all these different things, how to walk again and whatnot. And I know you still had some pain that you were dealing with. You had a cane for a while. Or are you still having to walk with the cane? Um, so, uh, no, I ditched the cane around Thanksgiving. Um, awesome. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I kind of went from the hospital been for a while and then with a walker quite a bit over the summer and then yeah finally done with the cane so it's nice to be able to walk unencumbered <laughs> yeah i saw you with um with the cane at uh, ojibwe where actually talking about ojibwe you were looking rather enviously at the the rally truck you weren't weren't angling after a ride in that were you <laughs> <laughs> no. so yes maybe someday <laughs> <laughs> no so it was and it was even though I, you know, we'd we'd all followed your uh, recovery off uh, online. It was still it was still for me a little bit of a shock to see you there walking. It was great to see you there, but it was still a little bit of a shock to see you there with a with a cane. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can imagine. Um, it's kind of been a. It's still a shock to me seeing myself. <laughs> you know, we take videos of myself to you know trying to figure out uh, what I'm doing wrong when I'm walking. Just, uh, it's bizarre to see myself like this, mm-hmm. but, um, uh, one thing it's, it's been good to see my, uh, all my crew and friends from Team O'Neill every few months. And it's a good reminder of how much, how, how far I've come in the, the month or two that I've seen them because it's the, the progress is so slow mm-hmm. and, and subtle to hear it from those guys. Uh, I don't know. It feels good. Yeah. You talk about support from, uh, from the team, but you've also had a great, great deal of support from uh, from the rally family everybody all uh, all your all your friends on online on facebook in the rally world i mean the support that you've received from them all the way through your rehab and recovery it's must have been must have helped a lot yeah um that was uh pretty fantastic you know spending five weeks in the hospital really learned what's living in a family gets and 
coming home afterwards and, you know, spending most of the day stuck in a chair or in bed or something. And um, I, I have a lot of great friends who came and visited and that was wonderful, but they can't be around 24 hours a day. So I ended up spending a lot of time on Facebook and Instagram and, you know, social media. And it was just, it was a huge help to see across the board, no matter who I knew, but um, especially from the rally community. I guess I was gonna say just psychologically, just that process of being such a glacially slow improvement. And I can understand that there's probably been dark days as well as the bright days, right? Oh, for sure. Um, especially, you know, there's, uh, there were some miscommunications between the hospital in Mexico and the hospital up here about the seriousness of my injury. And I think somewhere along the lines, they got the complete injury, um, which means that the spinal cord is completely severed and there's basically zero chance of recovery below the, where it's severed. And um, there were, this is a, a complete spinal cord injury. This, you're going to, you know, be in a wheelchair for the rest of your life. This is a permanent thing. And those were, those were tough times, but, the, but were quickly fixed when they realized that I could move my legs and, you know, um, that it was just a partial injury. So, you know, just moving on to today though, you, you sound like you're obviously chipper and doing well. Um, you know, we saw you doing the reckies that we saw, again uh, near the end of the season last year, and we're excited as hell, all hell to see you out there. But then we see that you d went on a test drive in the R2, and then got back in the seat of the R5. How did that feel? Uh, yeah, yeah. So when I went up to uh, do recce for New England and Forest Route, um, a day up at Team O'Neill, and uh, I just got on my uh, R2T that I ran in 2017 a little bit just to. You know, see if it's still even a possibility like our and um, that went surprisingly well. You know, it didn't go great, but it went pretty well. And so then uh, later in the summer or maybe early fall, September, maybe, uh, and that uh, went really well. And then uh, started making, at that point, I knew that, um, you know, a return to, to rally in the R5 was uh, definitely a possibility to get the R5 back together and uh, some you know, testing dates and ended up, we ended up down in Texas in January, which was uh, a great, great test again. Um, it was, uh, it was kind of nerve wracking being in the, the R5 again for the first time, taking a pretty easy approach to all of this. Um, this is every day that I get back in the R5. It's just another day to uh, see how well I can do. It's, I have no expectations on myself. Uh, this and leading into 100 Acre Wood, this is all just a, another big test of, you know, what I can do, still do in a rally car. So actually about that test, you know, we were, uh, you know, obviously we're big fans and I've occasionally been on the uh, Absolute Rally podcast and uh, one of their friends there was, I guess, uh, helping you get kind of the grips with some of the setups and what's different about the R5 with that uh, testing. Uh, yeah, so we, I had uh, Matt Edwards come over from England. He, he had won the British Rally, Rally Championship last year in, in our, our a huge help to have in the car with me down in Texas. It's The R5 is such a different animal than many other cars. It was good to have somebody who's competed in that car before, knows uh, how it handles, and uh, can kind of lead me through that process. What makes it so much more complex? Is it just... Um, because you've got the, you know, center diff, rear and front, and then you've got, is it the suspension can do so many different things? Uh, what is that? Uh, is it just an exponent on the number of variables versus when you're in the R2T? Uh, it's a combination of all that. It's, yeah, certainly the the diffs 
just uh, the you just don't it, it feels unnatural for the the car to you know dive so much in the front under hard braking and the three or four different sway bar possibilities in, in the front and rear and uh, you know all kinds of suspension settings so it's creating uh, some base settings uh, and uh, apologies for those listening the uh, sorry for the internet connection kind of cutting out a little bit but uh, I think we're getting the gist of what you're talking about there you were saying about mm-hmm. how the R2 you said was about how much removed from a production car versus the way the R5 is so if the the R2 R2T that I was running in 2017 is, you know, one or two steps removed from a production car, then the R5 is, you know, 10 steps removed. It's a, it is a, a real race car. There's very little of it left that resembles a production car. Gotcha. So other than the fact that it's just got the basic shell, everything else right. is all designed, nothing but for racing. Uh, the suspension yeah. travel, yeah, that sounds uh, pretty killer. So yeah, I was up at um, the Oz Rally Pro Training Academy at the weekend and Rhiannon was telling us about uh, the experiences with the uh, R5 Fiesta and apparently on the car there is an R5 button. Now she (laughs) was entrusted with pressing the R5 button. Would you care to explain a little bit what the R5 button is about? (laughs) Yeah so the the R5 button uh, switches the the modes in the car between stage mode and transit mode. Basically, it, uh, it changes the, the throttle map and adds a bunch of boost and a whole lot of speed and turns on the anti-lag. And uh, it's basically the, the fun button on the car. <laughs> so she said that as the co-driver, she was entrusted with the pressing of that button. Now, in your car, did you press the button or did you leave that to Leanne? <laughs> no, that's that's my job. Um, that uh, reminds me that I'm about to have a whole lot of fun, so <laughs> I get to push that button. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. <laughs> but you're, of course, having to keep up with physical therapy, even though you're not necessarily – you're graduated, as they say, but uh, you're still doing quite a bit of this on your own, right? It's a new way of life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. So basically what they say is that where you're at two years after your injury is how much uh, nerve recovery you'll get. Um, so I'm still pretty early in that process, halfway through. Um, so there's still a lot of potential recovery. I still have a lot of you know numb spots in my legs, and there's still a lot of kind of nerve disconnection in my muscles. And even if my, my muscles are big, because I don't have that nerve connection, I'm not able to use all of that muscle. But yes, even though I'm done with physical therapy, I'm still spending tons of time at the gym, just trying to get in as good a shape as I can with this uh, this new uh, body arrangement that I have. <laughs> yeah, I can I can imagine. I mean, it, part of it's rewiring your body and your brain, and it, it's interesting. You know, I think, gosh, I think it was even just 30 years ago that they didn't think that nerve endings would ever grow back, and you know once you had a certain condition you're kind of stuck with it and mm-hmm. over just more recent history we've now learned differently that not only can those connections be remade but the brain learns new pathways to make it work mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. it can kind of reprogram itself like a reprogrammable cpu and uh it's it's really yeah. fascinating really looking forward to seeing your continued uh, efforts at recovery and like i said like you said this is still just the beginning and uh you're already doing great so Let's talk about 100 Acre Wood then. That's next yeah. week. You're going to be competing. Yeah. Um, you did a test actually out in the woods near there recently, didn't you? Yeah, down in Southern Ohio. Um, 
I was uh, talking with Pat Morrow a month or so ago, and he says, oh, I'm going to go take the Sonic out for a test. you want to come along? He's like, yeah, can I bring my car? <laughs> and <laughs> so, yeah, we went out and uh, did a little test, and that was actually the first time that I've driven an R5 on a gravel road in a forest. Um, all of my testing is, you know, been in Arizona or Mexico and, you know, really dusty, rocky desert roads. It was nice to get back to, you know, the situation I'll be competing in this year. And it's, it felt really good. It was nice to kind of be back at home with this car. I was just going to say, we're all very, very happy to, to see you back. We're looking forward to seeing you on the, out on stage. Thanks. Yeah, I'm excited for. I'm excited to excited to see all the cars at Hunter Acrewood this year. That is quite an entry list. Um, mm. With, I mean, virtually every fast car in the country is going to be there. So that'll be that'll be a lot of fun. It's going to be pretty insane. It's going to be some very stiff competition. Uh, but what are your kind of specific goals uh, for Hunter Acrewood right now? Uh, right now, the main thing is finishing the rally. Being my first rally back, I just. I just need to to get back into it, see what see what things need to be different with me, or how I interact with the car, or you know if I can even survive a weekend of a rally. So there's I'll be doing a lot of learning, and I don't have too many goals other than just you know taking in as much data and information as I can and uh, applying that towards the next rally. Well, I must say it's, you know, we're so excited to have uh, your R5 be the first one kind of to stay in the United States. Anyways, we've seen visits before, I guess, on rare occasion. But now yours is one of three that seem to be around. Uh, plus, we've got those proto cars out there. We've got what the AP4 that we might see of Ryan Millen at some point, not at 100 Acre Wood, but at some other mm -hmm. events. And speaking of that, do you have a, a schedule of events that you plan on doing this year? Or is it see how 100 Acre Wood goes and then figure it out from there? Well, I have an idea of what I'd like to do, but it's, yeah, it really depends on how 100 Acre Wood goes. But, you know, I'll certainly be at my favorites, you know, Olympus, Southern Ohio, Oregon. Plus, I'll I think I'm going to try to do as many of the Canadian events that are left uh, this this season. So not 100% sure on what the season will be, but 100 Acre, Olympus, Southern Ohio. So we're going to do three three in three weeks, which is kind of crazy. Wow. Uh, Southern Ohio up to Rocky and then down to o Oregon. Figure, you know, if I'm going to get back into it, might as well really get back into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah if you can if you can if your body can stand three in three weeks you should be you should be doing pretty well yeah i hope so <laughs> that makes me tired just thinking about it <laughs> <laughs> well you are savage dave you you never take it lightly you, you always go full bore man and yeah. so excited to, to have you out there i guess just kind of wrap it up uh Anybody in particular you want to thank for uh, this progress that you've made? And, you know, um, just, dude, just mm. happy for you. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I mean, there are, I can't even begin to thank everyone who's had, you know, a hand in all this. You know, all my therapists at OSU, my all my siblings and my mother have all been super supportive. And my girlfriend, Linnell, has been there, you know, every step of the way. And um, just the entire rally community and everybody at Team O'Neill has been really helpful and it's just been it's just been fantastic to see all the, the support um yeah dude you're, you're awesome that's all i can yeah, say thanks. you're <laughs> awesome you're an inspiration to all of us you know uh you know don't don't let anything ever keep you down keep pushing and uh you can still achieve amazing goals so yeah. 
Uh, P.O.R., man. P.O.R. There you go. Press <laughs> yeah. on. Yeah. Actually, when I was waking up from my surgery in Mexico, actually, when you said P.O.R. P.O.R. reminded me of this, is that I was on some fantastic drugs waking up from my surgery. Of course. And was convinced <laughs> that I felt totally fine, and I was really hoping that the car was okay, because I really wanted to finish the finish Rally Mexico under under you know Super Rally or Rally Two. So I was I was really looking forward to that that day. But then I then I woke up a little bit more and realized that wasn't happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there hasn't been a moment since then where I've I haven't been itching to get back in a rally car. Dude, Dave, uh, we will see you in a little over a week. And man, just so glad to hear from you. Mm. Thank you for telling us your story. Uh, again, folks, sorry for a little bit of the audio hiccups, but uh, I think we get a, get the gist of all he's uh, had to go through. Like I said, you're an inspiration. You're someone that uh, I think we can all just reference when we're uh, having tough times and can look at, hey, you can still come back. Uh, just work hard, and yeah. uh, you can make it through. Thanks, dude. Yeah, yeah. yeah thanks a lot. a lot, guys. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. Thanks. Well, once again, I'd like to thank our guest, Savage Dave Rally. Um, well, Dave's got a, such a great story, and uh, we look forward to seeing him at 100 Acre Wood. But we want to talk about a few other news bits from the last week or so. To start off with, there were a couple of rallies. Um, the Cochrane Rally, which was just up north, the Cochrane Winter Rally, I guess I should say, uh, which a friend of the show, Warwick Patterson, took out his Mark I Escort. And that was really cool to see him finally get that thing fired up and out playing in the snow drifts up mm -hmm. there in at the Cochrane Rally in Canada. And uh, Krista Skoukas, another friend of the show, she was his co-driver. They had a little bit of a moment, which was great, where they had uh, spectators had to help push them out a little bit, which is always fun. Kind of a WRC moment, as I think uh, Warwick put it. Uh, yeah, they, they finished the rally. That's, you know, I think all he was looking for. The car sounds mega. It sounds so uh -huh. good on those stages. And who doesn't like a Mark One Escort? Absolutely, it's one of the great rally cars of all time, in my in my opinion. Definitely. Um, looks like Alex uh, Kozlov ended up coming out on top in that one in an open four wheel drive car with uh, Vilnius Dimpers. I think it is uh, is in second place in an Evo Eight. And Graham Bruce uh, came in third in a Mitsubishi Evo uh, 2003 model. So, uh, so a couple of Evos and a Subaru up there at the top. Uh, no surprise considering the uh, super slick conditions, uh, all just completely covered in snow. So, uh -huh. uh, but uh, yeah, a lot of fun sideways action for sure. All right, uh, moving on. We also had the Sandblast Rally, and that was where our good friend. Uh, Johnny Sage, he was out there. Uh, he took some uh, little bits of live video. Those, unfortunately, a little bit pixelated. He's going to re-upload the one, re-upload some of those. I think from uh, from his phone now. These, you know, once he got signal again. But yeah, they the live streams were pretty darn horrible because the signal was so bad. But boy, that rally, it ended up being. Uh, I think one of the comments I saw uh, turned into a tough mutter event. Well, that was one of the few things that I actually did see anything about the, over the weekend was was the conditions i saw that these sandy these sandy roots were like covered in covered in water it looked it looked as bad as central up did last year uh, there's one one picture sticks in my mind like a huge a huge mud mud puddle in the middle of a stage and there was like three cars stuck in one of them yeah there was just it was funny is it's that sandy kind of soil but mm -hmm. it's kind of mixed with clay yeah it just turns into muck 
And I remember uh, Chris Greenhouse, who was talking uh, after a shakedown test earlier in the day, he was talking with John and, and he, he said it was just like ice out there. It was super, super slick. And unfortunately for uh, Chris Greenhouse, um, he was leading the event overall, actually, in his two-wheel drive car, which was just awesome. You know, you'd think the four-wheel mm-hmm. drives would just dominate. Then he had a power steering failure, which led to a small off into a tree, and that broke some rather important bits in the front of the car, and they weren't able to get it repaired to get back out there, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, driving without power steering is hard yeah. enough. Driving yeah. that power steering on super slick conditions where you have uh-huh. even less control, I-, I can't even imagine. No. So I'll just do a quick little uh, top few here. Uh, Martin Donnelly looks like came out the winner overall. He's the one that's got the other R5 here. So that's R5 mm-hmm. number three. But Barry McKenna's got one, and you've got one with Dave Wallingford, and now this uh, Martin Donnelly. He's yeah. got an uh, an R5, and so that was competing out there. So he looks like he came out uh, the overall in the four-wheel drive heavy or all-wheel drive heavies. Nick Bragg in second and Stephen Freeman in third. Then in the lights, you had Dunker Felix Jr., Mario Nogales, and Amanda Skelly, third place in the lights class, which is awesome. Um, and then in the two-wheel drive heavy, we have Michael Hall, who seems like the only one that finished in the two-wheel drive heavies. <laughs> Oh, man, tough, tough uh, driving out there. In the two-wheel drive lights, we have uh, Alexander Larson, Rob McCarty, or McCarter, uh, and Radoslav, uh, well, wow, I'm sorry I'm going to butcher your last name. Uh, Radoslav is probably how you say the first name, so uh, congratulations for him getting on the podium. Wow, just crazy, crazy stuff. Uh, There was one side-by-side out there, too. Uh, uh, Lester Dickerman was out in the side-by-side, so it's good to see some of the expansion of that. And then of course they have their motos out there. That's what's unique about that event is they kind of almost do it, you know, Dakar style, I guess you could say. I don't know how Mm -hmm. they do notes uh, when you're in one of the, on a motorcycle doing a stage rally, but the roads are pretty well marked. So maybe you can just drive what you see. Any final words before we go? Well, I I guess you might just like me to talk about my weekend for a little bit. Oh yeah, we did have you did have a little bit of something that you did. You're saving it for uh, the end. All right, uh, saving the saving. best for last. So saving the best, for Mr. Last. Ian Holmes. Oh, you God. got to do, be at the Oz Rally Pro in Idaho and complete the Development Academy. All right, man, tell us about it. I mean, yeah, I mean, what it's uh, yeah, it's I got back like on well, like I said, the wee small hours of Monday morning, and it's like I've spent all the time since trying to absorb everything that uh that went on that weekend you know it was let's let's get this straight first it's like this was their first co-driver development academy you know this is an they did the elite academy last year last year mm-hmm. i believe it was yes it was yeah last year. uh yeah friend of the show matt james he reported on that to us and yeah so this is like an extension a development we can't say it, it's a development of the idea and that's to take take co-drivers who are a lower level you know who requirement was that uh, you had to have done 10 10 or less and 10 rallies or less and i think i just crept in i think i think my total is 10 it just depends whether you count regionals or nationals if mm-hmm. I was doing counting only regionals, I, I was I was probably over the line. But uh, we're counting nationals. I probably just made made it. So, at the weekend, the start of the weekend, I mean, it's like um, the the Midwest saw a huge snowstorm. 
so that messed up everybody like trying to get into Boise. I mean, one of my one of my uh, co co fellow students, fellow students. There's the word for you. yeah, fellow students. Tabitha, Tabitha Law. She ended up in Seattle overnight and had to sleep in the airport to make the uh, make her way to Boise the next morning. I didn't get into Boise until after midnight. I was I was waiting in Minneapolis airport for three hours for my flight to leave, but. Uh, this this situation itself, you know, that showed off Gelsomino's organizing skills. So, I mean, they've got to have organizing skills to work as a co-driver, you know, getting all, all your paperwork and everything in order. Uh, while all this was going on, you know, while we were being stranded in, in the airport, and Alex and Rhiannon were working on rewriting the schedule for our weekend you know it was uh, we were supposed to start class was supposed to start like eight o'clock in the morning and uh they worked they worked at the schedule and rejigged it so in the end we got got a nice lay in in the end uh, which was nice and we didn't start till until 11 but then uh, while we were flying or being stuck in airports they were re rejigging the schedule and everything so that's that's a good co-driver skill there. Your organisational skills. Uh, you know, I was uh, I was picked up at the airport by uh, my roommate uh, Glenn. Glenn. Glenn Ray. I mean, Glenn is a super guy, top-notch guy. I think we need to get him on the show sometime soon to get him to talk about his uh, project Phoenix. Yeah, it'd be good to get uh, Glenn on the show and uh, give us some more details on mm -hmm. uh, that whole project that he's got going for it when it comes to uh, veterans. Yeah. So, yeah. Now, uh, so day one, I mean, it's like, yeah, like I said, we got a lay in, which was really nice. I mean, we were all all pretty shattered. So we we had drove out to um, Horseshoe Bend. That's where Alex and Rhiannon live in the, in the mountains. I mean, Horseshoe Bend, there's a real Wild West name for a town, isn't it? Well, it's rather fitting, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we were, we, were, we were met there with coffee and muffins. Now, we've often, everybody's talked about Rhiannon's baking and says how wonderful Rhiannon's baking is, but Alex's coffee, Alex's coffee is excellent. So. Well, he's Italian, of course. Yeah, so. <laughs> Please. Yeah, so... So we all we all got to know each other there, and to start to start the uh, training to start this training program off, they uh, showed us a few welcoming videos from uh, some mo motivational messages on video from from some of their friends, you know, and their friends are people like Julian Ingracia and uh, Dan Barrett and Phil Mills, Brendo, of course, mm -hmm. and uh, even Colin Clark, you know, sat at his kitchen oh, yes. table. <laughs> so, and they all like that that these these people, these friends of theirs, can give you a, a motivational message. It gives you gives you an idea of how important people think a training program like this is to bring on to bring on co-drivers. You know. So from then on, then on, we got down to work. You know, we covered all the, covered all the good stuff, good stuff, all the basic stuff, all the stuff you need to know, all the stuff, you know, that I've developed a lot of bad habits about. You know, I mean, I've, I've never used maps, in my uh, in my recce planning, but um, there, but with using maps for recce planning is a, is a good idea. I can see 
the see the advantages i could see the advantages of absolutely everything that they they told us you know it was uh what, I mean, was, it, was it quite a few of those um well why didn't i think of that moments yeah. Absolutely. The years of experience that they've had uh, kind of uh, shows that, right? Yeah, I mean, it's like generally, you know, I turn up to a to a rally and I get the uh, route books and the notes and stuff like that. And that's where that's really where my planning kind of like sort of starts. But so you're starting after you've already gotten to the event. Really? Typically. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah uh, but no, I can be so much more prepared by starting early i mean yes i've watched youtube videos of uh of the stages to get a feel for them but uh, there's certain things i've uh, that that they raised with with us that I, i'd never considered doing this uh i mean that the, the paperwork that those guys carry around with them they carry around a copy of the rule books the 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 championship rule book that they're that they're on Mm -hmm. Yeah, they they carry a copy of their their rule book and they've got they've got certain parts of the rules all highlighted. So if they the relevant part of the rule book to them, they can easily find. So that's something I've got to do. That's something I've got to do. I've got to print out because the, the ARA rule books were the, for 2019 were released today, weren't they? So I need to print those off and get those all marked marked up ready for ready for ready for use later in the year but um yeah it was uh the best what we everybody was well certainly me what and what we were looking forward to the most was uh after after lunch we moved and oh did i mention how good rhiannon's baking is because she made <laughs> yes i think we heard that yeah <laughs> this is this is the big thing this is the thing that a lot of people take away from this is like rhiannon's bread baking is good she makes her own bread and oh you walk into the house and you can smell freshly cooked bread i mean what a wonderful way to start the day but so so the afternoon we worked on to the making of the pace notes so well let's let's not say the making of pace notes because uh it's the efficient making of pace notes you know everybody like we 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 when you go and make your pace notes it's like drive around if you've never made pace notes before that's the thing it's like i've tried and failed abysmally but uh to get to see them them do it alex drove the car we were we headed out into these remote mountain roads and uh, alex took the wheel and uh, they went through it as if they were alex was in the driver's seat as if he was the driver and Rhiannon was playing co-driver's duties and they Took. And, you, and then you three are sat in the back, just we, we kind of listening are, to the process, yeah. watching what they're doing. Yeah. Okay. And then, then it was our turn, you know. So uh, we'd watch them and absorb them what they were doing, and then we we got turned loose. So Rhiannon moved to the back, and uh, yeah, I got I got thrown in the front seat first. Oh, perfect. <laughs> well, you're the one that barely made it in, so uh, you should already have some knowledge, so they thought. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, so this was, yeah, well, there, there are things that you don't appreciate when you're going, when, the, for, when you do this for the first time. So how much, how difficult this is for a driver, mm -hmm. you know? Because the driver's concentration is so total 
and Otto. You know, but they're focused on the road ahead to um, to produce the notes. So it's like it's a big strain for them. I mean, you think it's hard work for the co-driver scribbling the notes down, but the concentration it takes for the uh, for the driver is uh, is something I I wasn't I wasn't aware of. You know. Well, and they have to visualize the road, yeah, not at the recce speed, but at race speed, yeah, so which is exponentially more difficult, right? So let's say you're driving on the road at thirty miles an hour, but they gotta estimate what sixty is or yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a different line really that you would have at that speed, and you need to somehow translate that, yeah, yeah, so um so so you know we did a did a simulated two pass recce so you know we drove a couple of miles of road and then and i would take the notes and then we'd go back to the start and we'd drive it again and this is like the second pass where i read the notes back to alex and he decides whether they're right and whether they need any alterations so i'm reading the notes back and then alex is no make that off right five or right five minus or Oh well, no cut on that on that right three, and so I'm having to alter the notes on the fly. So I'm, I'm all, all this time I'm learning his language for what he's describing, and then I'm making notes with it as well. And uh, after a while, you kind of like get into it, you get get the feel for it. So uh, yeah, the we had one day of that, and you know I would. After my two passes, I went into the back seat of the car, and um, I think it was Glenn came went in, and so we watched Glenn do what he was doing. He was what in doing the uh, the notes while we, and we were making our own notes of Glenn's run as well. So we were watching him, and we were making our own notes, and we were learning that way. We were watching watching his progress. We were oh, well. I mean, I'd got. A slight advantage to start with because I'd been first, so I was I was able to do a bit more, I think. But as we all kind of like rotated round, we were all learning, learning, learning it. But we were all learning really quickly. We were all taking it on really, really, really quickly. It was, uh, it was, uh, it was, it was fantastic. That was, and uh, we had a, we had an afternoon of that. And then we had a debrief in the evening. And the thing about the debrief, we had a debrief in the restaurant in the evening. And uh, the way that uh, that Alex and Rhiannon were talking to us and saying that we should be able to consider being, we, could, we should be able to consider getting calls from people to go out there. And it's kind of, they were treating it, Treating us as professional potential professional material, you know, and oh well, yeah, and that, why I... shouldn't they you, they be? I mean, the the reality is, you know, once you get this process down and you're able to do everything that the driver would want you to do, um, yeah. not make mistakes, uh, be able to, you know, uh, I guess understand pacing and all that stuff, and 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 interpreting those notes correctly, making sure you know how to make corrections i guess while you know in, in the process of, of running the stage do all those things mm-hmm. 
I mean, that that's what the professionals do. They don't yeah. make mistakes. That's They're what they the do. ones that have a routine down. They mm. plan effectively. Yeah. I mean, why shouldn't you be? Yeah. It, it, but it's like when you've spent like I've spent like four years working with people who were like as my as my friends to think that I could be at a business level. It's it's a quantum leap. You know, I mean, I know I have what this what this weekend I'm getting a bit ahead of myself here, but like what this weekend has taught me is I have I have the skills, I have the abilities and hear me talking. I have the confidence. But back then, at the end of that first day, it was like a big it was a bit of a shock to the system to be talked to like that as a potential professional. So then the next day, uh, what happens then? Second day was, uh, well, we covered, we covered more of the basics of, uh, of of being at a rally. And the thing that I was really excited about was Rhiannon showed me how to use my co-pilot watch. I mean, I've had this co-pilot, fast time co-pilot, co-driver's watch for like over a, a year, 18 months. I've never been able to use it properly. So Rhiannon just, it was a part of the training because these watches are so useful, so mm-hmm. invaluable to a co-driver. To be able to use that efficiently is an important part of the co-driver's bag. So I was, I was, I was, I was, I was absolutely chuffed to bits to uh, to see my see what my watch actually can do. So I'm going to have to get, I'm going to have to spend tomorrow night learning how to use it properly. So, and the other big important thing for me was like they went through time cards because I am so bad with time cards. You know, I, I had doing it's got to, it, it got to the stage with me. I would always remember the car that was in front of me, and I would go into go into uh, go into the control a minute after them because my brain just got so fried with the time card system. So I've had that explained clearly and concisely. Yeah, so, that's to extremely that important. Sense, yeah. um, that that uh, falls in all kinds of strategies too. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. uh, and the other thing you have to think about is, you know, at a lot of events, remember those people working the time controls are volunteers. Mm-hmm. You know, just having that confident, the confident co-driver kind of helped me along as a volunteer to make sure that I did my job correctly. You know, yeah. it was, uh, was something, was something uh, very useful. So, and it yeah. prevented, of course, them from getting a penalty they didn't deserve or anything like that. So, yeah. So, so yeah, I feel much better about time cards and can't wait to use my watch properly, you know? So, and then there's, then late, later on, we actually got out, we went out and did some more reinforced reinforcement training on the, uh, the pace notes. We actually went out on a stage at the Idaho rally, used mm-hmm. some of the roads from the I- I- Idaho rally. I got to tell you, Mike, I mean, those Neat roads, roads huh? oh man, I have to do Idaho rally. The scenery there and the roads are just outstanding. Welcome to the West coast. It's pretty cool out here. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm definitely going to have to do Idaho at some point. So we, um, so we all ran up, uh, ran the harris creek stage yep i figured that's which one it was because that's closest yeah. to their place okay yes uh, so are we and uh this was when well for me this was when things really clicked 
it was at that point it was like it was like a curtain was raised on me and uh, or the ropes had been cut but we alex and i were driving up the stage and alex was reading was reading the road and, and giving me the notes and it got to the stage where it was like i knew what he was going to say i was looking at the road and i was reading the road and i was able to be i was on the same length as he was same wavelength yeah yeah and this i mean i've had that on stage when i've been when i've been on stage when you've been calling the notes perfectly for the guy alongside you but in recce this is just so weird mm -hmm. you know i could i could look i could look at the road i could listen to alex make make out make the notes I could absorb what was on what I was seeing on the road in front. I could make a note of that, and if I felt like I needed to, I could approach Alex about that during the second running, saying, "Do you think we should do this?" You know, right. there was, and that was just incredible. And you know what's cool is that, you know, expanding on that a bit is, you know, when you said you could see that certain piece of road and you knew what he was going to probably call out. When you create that relationship with the driver, um, eventually those pieces of road are all the same, right? So a right three plus or whatever it is, you can imagine what that looks like, it, whether it's off camber or whatever, and you'll find that piece of road mm -hmm. in many places all over the country, right? Yeah. Um, all over the world, in fact. And as you get comfortable and learn those bits and how they look, just those little sections are programmed into you. So you just yeah. know already, right, what that's going to be. Um, and, and I think also that probably would help out with changing conditions, right? You're going to know what that normally looks like and be able to factor in whether you need to slow down or whatever and, and maybe change that note description. Yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was an incredible, incredible experience all around. You know, it was... It was like on. It was it was like being at a rally. When we were driving back to the airport, you know, we was uh, Glenn and Tabitha and I. It was like that. Tabitha said, "You know, I've got a rally hangover." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we. The, the, in, on, yeah, on the Saturday morning and the Saturday night and Sunday morning, when when we'd uh, been travelling between the Boise and. Uh, and the Gelsomino's place, we'd all been like happily chatting and chatting on my own, discussing stuff. And on, on the way home, the way back, the car was silent. We, 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 we were all kind of like, we were miserable because we, because the weekend was over and we had the rally hangover. We learned, we'd learned so much. It was incredible. I mean, what did I learn the most about it? Well, it's everybody's asked me that question, you know, and I think I learned. I don't want to blow my own trumpet too much. Oh, sure you do. Come on, admit it. <laughs> this is, you know, this yeah. But by the end of Sunday, you know, I my flight back, and I was like waiting in Salt Lake City Airport for three hours, and that was I. I didn't have anything to do for three hours, and that's when it really hit me. That uh, you know, I can I can do this co-driver's business. I've always wanted to do this co-driver's business, and with a certain level of application, I can do this 
co-drivers business really quite well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I'm that. I'm that. I'm not. I'm that. Well, you know, just stepping back to that piece where I say, well, where I was being, like I was being able to read Alex's mind on the uh, on the on the on the Harris Creek stage. If you'd have taught, if you'd have said, "There's Chris Meek in a car, go and re- go and do his pace notes," I would have said, "I can do that," because I got. And that, but then my level of confidence was in my ability was so stratospherically high because of what I'd be, what I'd been taught and the way I'd been taught it. It was well, be interesting is to see if, uh, you know, what, what it's like for you when you start stepping up into a faster car and do, you know, a, a more professional, you know, uh, uh, atmosphere yeah. and, you know, being able to put those skills to the test there. Right. Mm, yeah. Um, obviously you, you do everything as professionally as you can based on, uh, on the pace that you've got, but I'm sure everything gets amped up a bit when, mm-hmm. uh, you're, you're like Alex working with, uh, <laughs> Ken Block or you're Rhiannon yeah. who's, mm. uh, you know, working with um you know ryan millen at times or or somebody else at the top uh uh, nick roberts uh you know or when she's you know traveling and doing stuff in an r5 uh, over in the uk so yeah it's uh it's a whole other level but at the same time the core skills you now have them yeah yeah that's it yeah so and that's that's the thing it's like you know i can tell you how great it all was you know all about the fun and the joking and the camaraderie between us all you know and i could I could go into great detail on what we learned, but that wouldn't be fair on Rhiannon and Alex because it's their training course and you should, you should go on their training course. But, uh, you know, until you actually go through it and experience how it changes your outlook, that's the thing. It's like my, 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 like I say, my eyes were opened. Uh, you know, it's like the curtain was raised and all that kind and, ropes were cut and all those other great cliches you know it's <laughs> it's it's difficult to explain it unless you've been through it i mean i i could probably talk with matt james about it I and mean, because he's been through a similar sort of thing and you know i could you know, talk with glenn and tabitha about it but unless you're there and you start to realize how what they've told you how it, you realize how it's changing you and your attitude you know it's it was an amazing thing now, if, and and if now I, you're going to be one of the proponents of making sure that every event should have two pass racky. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there I'm we go. Now, now, I, now I've seen what two pass recce can do. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. So, All right. Yeah. Well, on that note, I think it's time to end our show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm your host, Mike Shaw, and with professional co-driver <laughs> Ian Holmes. Remember, you can listen to our show on Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever you search your uh, podcast, podcast apps, uh, Alexa, all that stuff. Um, We're also on uh, all the other social media platforms if you want to catch some pictures and things like that. Um, And we even publish these on YouTube if you like to listen that way. Just remember, please subscribe, tell a friend, give us a like and a share. It really does help us out. Anyways, thanks for listening, everybody. And remember, don't cut.